This is just an announcement at the moment. We don't have any legislation or legislative instruments, but imagine that will come pretty soon. You are listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to run and grow your firm. Welcome to another COVID-19 update of Text Talks, update number 21. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Klaas for sponsoring this episode. In the last update, update number 20, we discussed the changes to JobKeeper 1.0. As you know, the first round of JobKeeper will finish on 27th of September and a second round, originally called JobKeeper 2.0, is coming with tighter rules as discussed in update number 20. However, these new rules are already changing again. We now have JobKeeper 2.1. What this looks like, what exactly has changed according to recent announcements, this is what Andrew Henshaw of Velocity Legal in Sydney will go through with you in this update. On the 21st of July, the government first announced what's now being called JobKeeper 2.0. Essentially, that was the JobKeeper scheme would be extended until the 28th of March 2021. That included things like the lower rates and the split between full-time and part-time, and also the qualifying criteria to get into the additional two quarters of the JobKeeper, which we've already covered in a previous tax talk. So now we've got further changes. They were announced on the 7th of August. And they're being called essentially JobKeeper 2.1. With a sort of name like that, it's very much a tweak to the rules rather than an overhaul of the rules. And essentially, we've got a few things that are that are being tweaked in the rules. So really, the first point is really this is a response to basically what's going on in Victoria with the stage four business restrictions. I guess the access to the scheme will be sort of somewhat more relaxed to allow more businesses to qualify. The first point is that under these new 2.1 rules, to get into the JobKeeper scheme for the quarter starting on 28th of September, you only need to meet the quarterly decline in turnover test for the previous quarter. That's the September quarter. And how the rules were proposed to work under previous announcement was that you would have to meet both the June quarter and the September quarter. So in other words, you could have a normal or a good June quarter. All you need to do to qualify for the extended, the first of the extended periods is to have a drop in turnover for the September quarter. That's based on your actual GST turnover and it's based on a comparison of that compared to September 19 quarter. So we're just focusing solely on the September quarter. What that will do is that going forward because there's two quarters under the JobKeeper extension to get into the essentially the fourth quarter or the last quarter of it I think you'd still need to have a drop in sustained drop in turnover as in a a drop for the next quarter. Yeah so for the September and the December quarter. Yes yeah. It probably will be mainly Victorian businesses that will qualify for the September quarter 
Yeah, it's difficult to, I mean, it's difficult to say precisely. I mean, in, in Sydney, at least, numbers are still fairly well down. Everyone's sort of, I guess, on a bit of a knife edge about whether we'll sort of go the same way. And, and I know lots yes. of restaurants and things like that are still yeah, uh, a lot quieter than normal. So uh, yeah. I guess just have to see where the numbers come out. The only other point on that to note is the ATO have acknowledged, or sorry, I should say Treasury have acknowledged that there may be some alternative tests as well. For example, if the September 19 quarter isn't an appropriate one to compare to, there may be some alternative tests. We don't have those yet. I guess that's a watch this space. So that's the first tweak that the June quarter is no longer part of the uh, threshold. You only need to have a 30% drop in the September quarter to qualify for the December and March quarters. Yeah, yep. And tweak number two is... A change in the employee eligibility test date. Under the original rules and also the 2.0 rules, the date was 1 March 2020. So in other words, you need to assess whether an employee was an employee as at that date. And if they were, let's say you brought them on at 1 June, they can't qualify for the JobKeeper for that employee. So what they've announced is that that move to 1 July 2020 that's going to be relevant to not only the extended JobKeeper program, but actually also the back end of the original JobKeeper program. The announcement is that from Monday 3rd of August, uh, this new test date will apply. So in other words, if a business has hired someone and qualifies for the original JobKeeper and has hired them after 1 March, they can still get JobKeeper for that employee for the last four fortnights of the original JobKeeper period. So in other words, 3rd of August till essentially the end of September. And that's regardless of whether they're going to qualify for the extension or not. And this is huge because it means it opens the doors to all sorts of games. Because the point is, I mean, it's still the date and the window is closed for it already. I mean, this announcement was made a few days ago and it's a point in time being 1 July. Now, of course... Maybe someone could have thought, hey, they're going to change the rules. Have you got the foresight to know that that's the case and perhaps changed employees around in June, for example? But I guess no one was really to know that this was going to happen. And yeah. I guess the consensus back in June was that we're sort of riding it out and things are reopening and that there wasn't any... Uh, I guess no one could have, could have foreseen that JobKeeper was going to get extended in the first place. So that's tweak number two. So the first tweak is that we just need the September quarter. The second tweak is that now employees as of 1st of July 2020 will qualify. Does that mean you need to already have listed them by the 3rd of August? It just No, you should then apply for them now through the ATO portal. It just means that the payments will then start from the 3rd of August or will it be the fortnight ending the 3rd of August? Yeah, I think it will be the fortnight ending. I mean, they've only made this announcement a few days ago, so can't be reasonable to expect the paperwork to be done as at 3rd of August. What I imagine will need to happen now is that if there is any employees that businesses have that were taken on during that period, they'll need to fill in the paperwork that everyone else had to do earlier on. The businesses will need to notify the ATO through the sort of the ongoing process. Okay, so are these the two tweaks or is there another one? No, that's it. The only last point to note is that this is just an announcement at the moment. We don't have any legislation or legislative instruments, but imagine that will come pretty soon. 
Do you know if the ATO portal has already been adjusted for these additional employees you can now add to the JobKeeper program? I'm not sure at this stage. I mean, it's only been a few days since the announcement was made on, was on, on last Friday. The 7th yeah. of August. Yeah. So if it hasn't been done already, I imagine it'll be done pretty very soon. Very sure. Yes. Yeah. But actually, there's something very important, Andrew, I wanted to ask you, and that is we haven't spoken about business participants yet with all this no. JobKeeper 2.1. Can business participants qualify for the second round of JobKeeper? Yeah, yeah, it does. So the rules in the Treasury announcement specifically states that the rules do still apply to business participants under those business participant rules whereby a company or trust can nominate a person. In the new rules, there is a distinction between full-time and part-time employees with a distinction being people working more than 20 hours and less than 20 hours. There will be a distinction in the business participants rule as well between those engaged or actively engaged in the business for more than 20 hours a week and those engaged for less than 20 hours a week. My thoughts are, I don't know many business participants or business owners that aren't engaged in their business for less than 20 hours a week. So I imagine they would all be at the full-time rate. Yes. And whether they are engaged full-time or part-time doesn't need to be reflected in a salary payment. So even if yes. they receive no salary or a relatively low salary, they can still be working full-time in the business. Yeah, well, the business participant rules only apply if the person is not an employee. If they're an employee, you're going to have to deal with the normal rules. And if they are not an employee, then it has no relevance and just whether they're actively engaged in the business. So that's a pretty grey sort of test. But I can imagine most business participants would be able to satisfy that pretty yes. easily. But so it just means that if you have a business participant at as an employee at the moment, so mm. they are a business participant and an employee, hence you charge, hence you claim them as an employee. And before it didn't really matter. But now it matters if you don't pay them a full-time salary, then you should change them from an employee to a business participant so then that the official hours they are paid for don't matter. Yeah, I don't think you can change someone from one status to the other. But what I would say to that is that even if they're on a fairly low salary, let's say, a lot of time they won't have an employment agreement or anything like that. And I think the implied terms would be that it's a full-time arrangement or at least more than 20 hours a week because that's a pretty low threshold. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So as far as you can see at the moment, it really just comes down to the hours they work yep. and not so much how much how much they are paid per hour. You know, the, the payment yep. per hour could be a dollar or two or whatever it is. Mm. Um, it's more what they actually do in the business. Yeah. Yep. So that is JobKeeper 2.1. Welcome back. So you only need to show an actual 30% drop in turnover for the September quarter. The June quarter is irrelevant for JobKeeper 2.1 and you can bring new employees as of 1st of July into JobKeeper from 3rd of August. But as Andrew mentioned, all this is just based on announcements at the moment. It isn't law yet. Before we finish, may I read you a listener comment about something that was said in Update 17 about COVID-19 tenancy law. In that update, we quoted Ben Sewell of Sewell and Kettle in Sydney saying the following. And the landlord's in the worst position because they have to go to the 
NCAT or the VCAT to get to the money bank. And those tribunals favour the, the, the weaker entity, the weaker, always the tenant, because they're short on cash. The landlord's the one that owns the land. And so I received a text message from a senior member of NCAT. As you know, NCAT is the New South Wales Civil and Administrative Tribunal where disputes between landlords and tenants end up when they can't agree. And it is tribunal members who are the decision makers at NCAT, like judges in a court, but they're not called judges, they're called members. And so you have general members, senior members, and then principal members. And so a senior member of NCAT wrote to me, and he is what the message says. Just wanted to say, the statement that the tribunal always favor the weaker tenant is bullshit. But other than that, enjoy the podcast. In the next episode, episode 254, Paul McEnroe of Cleary Hall in Brisbane will talk about how the Marcella case changed the rules around SMSF trustee discretion. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.